pitch to the Center Circle Studio. Tim Van Horn goes studs up into the soccer world where no one is safe. The 18-yard box is wall-free. This is my three subs podcast. A soccer odyssey with your manager, Tim Van Horn. It was not Thanksgiving weekend in the Premier League, but Chelsea maybe had just a little too much ham on their plate. And they're very thankful, too. I don't think they were very thankful. I think, I think West Ham was. West Ham was thankful. I know <laughs> Pellegrini was thankful. We'll yes. talk about that uh, coming up. And then leave it to a defender to go ahead and help Liverpool stay top of the table. Who's scoring goals? It isn't our man, Mane. Mane. <laughs> That's coming up. I like how you Memphis tied that. And then Juventus slips at the weekend. So enter, enter. It's a very interesting race for the Scudetto. We've got all that coming up. Plus, we've got New York Times best-selling thriller writer Mark Graney. We also have a little bit of breaking news as the USL Championship. It's not just the second division. It's an extremely competitive <laughs> second division. And we've got some big news on who's going to be taking the top role. It's a legend for club and country. Wait till you hear what he's got coming up next. VAR is full of VIPs. It absolutely is, and that's on the DL, but you don't have to keep it on the DL. We'll tell you about it coming up real soon. I don't have any other. What is it? Anagrams? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't have any more on that, so I guess I just made that a Charlie Foxtrot. All right, we got all that coming up. Brody and I are standing in the tunnel. We are ready to go, and we're heading to the Center Circle Studio coming up next. This is My Three Subs. We'll be back with today's kickoff from the Center Circle Studios. This is My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. If you own a company or if you're a decision maker within a company, I think you're going to want to know about Ease of Approval. Easeofapproval.com is the website. Ease of Approval is a communication tool that is web-based. It's designed to replace email where there's an approval process. It's very flexible. You can use it internally or you can use it business to business. Look, email is great, but it was not designed to handle sensitive workflow. With email, you're just one delete click away from losing vital information. Ease of Approval's dashboard is transparent, which means all the users are going to be focused on what's important, managing their workflow, not wasting valuable time trying to track down a valuable email. And Ease of Approval offers real-time oversight. You can see all the outstanding work that's required in the dashboard, and it's flexible. It's great for single companies or multi-divisional organizations. And Ease of Approval goes with you into those production meetings with real-time performance analytics, meaning you can show everybody who's delivering their goods and services on time and who is falling behind. Oh, and your finance and compliance people are going to love this, too because Ease of Approval provides a transparent audit trail and also simple invoice reconciliation into Excel. Accountability has never been more affordable and simpler. Go to easeofapproval.com and find out what they can do to help you stay on top of your organization. Ease of Approval. Accountability made simple. This is My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. We're underway from the Center Circle Studios. Would you believe it? Of all people, Virgil van Dyke, a goal-scoring machine. <laughs> and they needed it, too, because Liverpool Man. built an early two-goal lead, but Brighton did not roll over. I thought that they might, but they pegged one back late. But the Reds held on to win 2-1. to one. Now, we've got some big injury news for Liverpool yeah. coming up shortly, but uh, the end game for that was they stay on top and maintain their lead in the Premier League. The only question is, who's second, third, fourth, fifth? Well, I tell you what, who came out with a fiery passion against Le- Leicester was Everton. Boy, oh boy, talk about a fiery passion uh, over there at Leicester City. Uh, I guess uh, that's a potential man you target for uh, recalls. Yes, yes, because we talked about this on the last podcast, and you pointed out that you didn't like Ricarlison. No, I think he's a ball hawk. 
Yeah, he is. He is a bit of a ball hog. Well, he hogged it enough to put the first goal in early on against Leicester City, and that woke the foxes up. I don't know how you wake up a fox if you shake a fox or if it's a loud noise, but they were is that awakened. Is that they do that? That wakes the foxes up and they start running? You, you know, they never say, never wake up the, uh, a sleeping fox. It's always a sleeping bear, so right. I don't know how that goes. But uh, bottom line is Jamie Vardy gets back on target with his league-leading 13th goal. And also Ian Acho mm-hmm. overcame a VAR challenge late. They thought there was going to be an offside call, but the yeah. officials let the uh, goal stand. And the Foxes win at the death. The, yeah, they win at the death 2-1 to one over the Toffees. And by the way, he looked a step offsides to me. I thought it was a clear and kind of concise VAR review, and they were going to call that offsides. And it, they upheld it on the field. I it surprised me. There was a lot of VAR, I think, technical glitches. I, it either works or, boy, does it fail VAR. I'm wondering if it's a technical glitch or if it's human error. It could be a bit of both. Maybe more on the human error or side. Or they don't want to admit human error. That, to me, seems more it. that they that, And the call was probably wrong, but we probably need to err on the side of, you know what? It's a human game. But... But if you blame it on the robots enough, they will seek out their revenge. <laughs> Mark my words. I've seen, I've seen Terminator too. We got to peek through the transfer window coming up because there may be uh, someone other than Ricarlison that may be heading out the door at Goodison Park at some point. Now, Leicester City hang on to second place, but what about Manchester City? Sergio Aguero out, in comes Gabriel Jesus, who's had a good scoring record, mm-hmm. and it did look like Manchester City was going to win the day. But then all of a Not sudden, it had, we had an we had an elf on the Shelby. John Joe Shelby <laughs> scores a late equalizer for Newcastle. Did you like that? He turned the eggnog to brown ale. I, I was I, I kind of want that to be his new nickname, Elf on the Shelby. Uh, you know what? Let's let's deem it so right here. But John Joe Shelby rallied a late equalizer as the Magpies yeah. continue to climb up the table. They were lurking near the bottom. They've strung a couple of good results together. They've been able to push themselves up. And they're still the bottom half of mid-table, but nonetheless, they're continuing to improve and not a moment too soon. They're they, same they can Park. thank Arsenal for their climb, too. But anyway, Chelsea, they had to uh, you know, stand their ground on City. Yeah, they had a great chance to, to really separate themselves. And really, at this point, you've got Liverpool, you've got Leicester City, but then who wants to take third? And they had a chance to really stake a claim on that this weekend, taking on West Ham, who they have not lost to at Stamford Bridge since 2002. And by the way, uh, for a lot of you Arsenal fans, there was an Arsenal team before 2002, 2003, just saying. No, there wasn't. <laughs> we... we. <laughs> But uh, bottom line, uh, Aaron Cresswell in the second half was able to score a goal. There was a fiery speech before the game and at halftime by West Ham captain Mark Noble. And third choice keeper, David Martin, was in goal. You know, Fabianski is out injured. They mm-hmm. had a uh, their second string goalkeeper was just abysmal. So they thought, okay, well, we're going to bring you up. He played in championship last season, and he hung on for the clean sheet as West Ham get their first league win at Stamford Bridge since 2002. And the amazing thing about this uh, with Martin, the goalkeeper, at the end of the match you saw him on his knees crying. His father played for West Ham as well, so he made Dad proud that day. Oh, that's super sweet, too. It was a good weekend for him. Uh, You know, it was, you know, kind of like that, then that familial tie 
than in uh, to the West. Manuel, yeah, Manuel Pellegrini was very animated on the sideline. You know, his there have been rumors. Okay, well, is it time for him to go? Generally, he's thought of as a gentleman of the game, a nice guy. Some people criticize him for maybe being too nice, but he was fiery. And West Ham got a much needed win, climbing. Really, they were sitting seventeenth, one point ahead of the drop zone. That gives them a little bit of breathing room going ahead. Speaking of those fiery managers, yeah, how about Mourinho? Right. Jose is finally getting the man. the first win. Yeah, he got his first. Uh, he got his home debut uh, for the Premier League, and it was business as usual for him. Uh, I don't know what he has said or done with Delhi Alley, but he has looked great. He looked <laughs> great in the Champions cannon. League. Remember that 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 awesome setup for the assist with the back kill along the sideline in the yeah. Champions League. Then he scored a brace to lead Spurs 3-2 over Burnley. Burnley has – they're going to be a tough opponent week in, week out, wherever they are in the table. They, they always come out and play hard. They were a great challenge for Spurs. But, nonetheless, it's uh, three out of three for Jose. Yeah, I mean, he's looking like the fiery Mourinho of old. And I told you that was going to be scary. If Mourinho comes out and he's not the bloated crybaby that he usually is, which, listen, time will tell. But Mourinho, boy, has that team playing, uh, looking like they're, they're just shot out of a cannon. Two weeks ago when we were recording a podcast, Tottenham were sitting in 14th. Now, granted, they're still 20 points behind the leader, Liverpool. Well, However, I don't know if there's any catch on Liverpool. You're, you're gonna, yeah, at this point, if you're just matching them win for win, you're going to have a tough time catching them. But now Spurs sit co fifth place right now with Wolves, by the way, Les- uh, Liverpool with 40 points, Leicester at 32, City with 29, you've got Chelsea at uh, 26, 26 yeah. and then you got Spurs and Wolves sitting at 20 points apiece. Now, it's going to be an interesting week for Jose Mourinho because yeah. he's got a homecoming Wednesday as Spurs visit Old Trafford cool. to take on Man United. You think his... Um, <clears throat> First steps onto the pitch are met with, we'll say, less than welcoming arms. I would say, <laughs> yeah, I would say absolutely. <laughs> I think I think that gets a little boisterous for him. And, and by the way, Manchester United at the weekend struggled 2-2 draw against Aston Villa. Uh, they have a tough week. They host Spurs on Wednesday, and then at the weekend, they go to Manchester City. Yeah. So yeah. tough week ahead for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But that's your roundup for the Premier League. Now, as we turn things over and look at La Liga, uh, Lionel Messi again rescues sure. Barcelona. Barcelona has not looked all that convincing to me, but a win is a win. Do you think Messi's back? Messi of old is is kind of resurging here. You know, it seems like it's been a different Messi since the World, last World Cup. World Cup. Yeah. It was it was angry Messi. Right. Angry bearded Messi. And, and and messy messy because of the beard and just looked unkempt. Looked very um we'll just say just not of Lionel Messi, you know. I would say uh, that's a fair assessment. Uh, uh, he, now he did get his goal. He scored in the 86th minute. That helped Barcelona over Atletico uh, 1-0. I would say yeah, it's a different Lionel Messi. I, I I don't know if he's ever going to transfer out of there. I I, I think maybe he could be a one-club guy and, and, and just retire there. Now, you look over at Madrid, Real Madrid, right. and they've been neck and neck, and really it's only been on goal differential. Barcelona's had a one-goal differential benefit, which puts them technically in first, Real second, but they're the same on points. Real Madrid kept up pace as Sergio Ramos and Danny Carvajal net 
in their win against Alavis 2-1. And, of course, they won by a goal. Barcelona won by a goal. So mm-hmm. guess who's still at the top? Barcelona is still up on goal differential, but they're tied on points. Look who's in third now, though. They did a nice little leapfrog. Diego Carlos's goal is all Sevilla needed in their win to leap to third in the table. So you got Barcelona and Real Madrid at 31, Sevilla at 30. Nipping on the heels of it. And very much so. Not far back, Real Sociedad and Atletico Bilbao. But, again, you're looking at five points. You're looking at two match days, which is a lot of ground to make up on the top two in, in La Liga. That's, that's And then you get Atletico at t- sitting at 25 that – well, again, not too far off. No, not far off at all. So you've got you've got uh, one, two, three, four teams within six points. So a, a, a tight race right there. And the at league this is point, way more competitive than Premier right now. And you know, Real and Barca could split the rest of the way, and it could come down to who scored one or two more goals yeah. over the span of the next twenty some odd weeks that determines who uh, wins La Liga. It's, it's incredibly tight race. It's also incredibly tight for at least the top two in Serie A. As Juventus got help from a Ronaldo penalty kick. It's his first goal in about a month. I know. By the way. He hadn't scored well since the potato field. He hadn't scored. Well, he and Sarri are not getting along, it seems, because Sarri has substituted Ronaldo. Within the last month, he made a couple of consecutive substitutions, taking him out of the match, saying that it was some sort of a, a knee issue or something like that. And of course, you know, also there are... I think that's a cover because, again, remember we we made a note of getting subbed off and then tantruming out into the tunnel. I think that's a cover for, you know, manager cover for... Now I just had a temper tantrum. Oh, no, it was a knee. It was uh, something. He was a tweak, you know. Here. And that's controversy at the attacking end. Then on the defending end, the question is, do you keep Buffon in who you brought back at age 41, or do you let Chesney uh, continue to be – he's been a more than capable goalkeeper. Uh, of course, he was a backup at Arsenal. Right. Uh, and you can never forget the fact that he was a backup to Manuel Amunia. I don't know if you can ever outlive that. But he has – he's actually acquitted himself really well. Once he got away from Arsenal, he's yeah. been very capable. Buffon, of course, though, is a – Legend, an absolute legend. So there's some questions there as well. But in the meantime, worst case scenario is they've just fallen to second by a point. So it, you know it could be a lot worse. By the way, who jumped into first? Well, it, it, thanks to a Latoro uh, Martinez uh, set of goals. Yeah, uh, Inter went to the top of the table with a uh, two to one win. So now Inter one point ahead of Juventus. Inter has 37. Juventus 36. Lazio, Roma, and Cagliari all round up the top five in Serie A. A little shakeup in the Bundesliga, not at the top, yeah. but again, when you've got tight races, these numbers uh, uh, shift back and forth, and Champions League slots, uh, when they're up for grabs, it, it, it will guarantee a frantic finish come May. Now, in the meantime, uh, Briel and Bolo is the hero, hero. Netted a pair of goals to send, what team is that? Glablag. Yeah, those guys to a 4-2 <laughs> win over Freiburg and keep them top of the league. Elsewhere, Red Bull Leipzig and uh, Schalke also win to go second and third. So uh, Dortmund also won, so that moves them into fifth with 23 points. Uh, Schalke and Bayern Munich are uh, third respectively at 24 points. RB Leipzig at uh, 27 and then Marussia who? Munch's uh, glad, zip black, glad bag. Yes, at uh, Munch and Gladback at 28 points <laughs> for the Bundesliga uh, eventually, lead. Eventually, we're going to get a cease and desist letter by Glad. Now, we may not be able to, it, now, if it's in German, we may not be able to translate it. We may have to go to Google Translate <laughs> right. to see what we're supposed to do. But nonetheless, we will uh, 
Uh, we will adhere and honor that if and when that ever comes. <laughs> Champions League, one more match day in group stages, uh, and that's going to be December 10th, 10th and 11th, 11th yep. Brody. And uh, you've got a list of some of the teams that are already in the knockout already round. Already in the knockout round. we got PSG and Real Madrid. That's right? in Group A, right? Right, Group A. Uh, group B, you got Byron, Munich, and the Spurs. How about Jose walking into that? What if he walks in and they win this whole thing? I mean, you want to talk about a guy just the <laughs> savior, you know? They're going to greet him with, like, golden chalices and, and at, at every single stop that he makes. Anyway, uh, in Group C, Man City. I mean, hands down, Man City. Uh, D, Juventus. Um, e, we don't know. There's uh, that. Yeah, there, there's just, at least three of the teams that are still vying for the two spots. Right. Um, F, Barcelona. Right. Um, G, you got Leipzig. Um, and H is, again, none yet. You, you, you don't have anybody in group. So just by process of elimination, that means Atletico, yeah. Inter, Dortmund, Liverpool, Ajax, Valencia, and Chelsea are some of those teams that still have work to do to get in. And for some of them, they will get into the knockout round of 16. For others, they may fall with the uh, golden parachute into the Europa Leagues. Right. And for yet some others, they may be done in European competition. So, so much to get to in the Champions League. And that comes up next week, December 10th and 11th. By the way, the Apertura semifinals for Liga MX uh, is underway. And they're now down to the final. Yeah, Morelia, Monterey, and Club America have all booked their spots in. That's a fun league to watch because you mm. watch you watch south of the U.S. border, you have a lot of the countries that will play split seasons. And it's a different uh, pace of play than you see from the Premier League. Uh, you'll see uh, Liga Emeki start very slow, whereas Premier League, they're shot out of cannons. Yeah. You know, but here at Liga Emeki, what, what you tend to see is like this long marathon start and a fire finish in, in both halves. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. time means go. <laughs> next to the Premier League, Liga MX is uh, those are the, the two most watched leagues in the United States. Very yeah. popular here. So we're going to continue to cover that all the way up to the championship. And oh, by the way, also in, in Liga MX, former FC Dallas manager Oscar Perea. Uh, has been let go by Tijuana, could end up, in fact, there was your breaking news right there, he could end up back uh, in MLS or another club in Liga Emekis could pick him up. Well, speaking of homegrown news, we got a little uh, MLS off-season update, right? Bring it. Former U.S. men's national team and Premier League star, Claudio Rea, has left New York uh, CFC, right, to become the first sporting director of Austin FC. Who was the star of MLS in 2021? They'll start, yeah, they'll start to the play in 2021. Claudio Reyna, of course, you may remember him best uh, when he played at Manchester City. Um, they've already acquired Josh Wolf as manager, really, and uh, will also be training uh, training the new 45 million dollar facility in North Austin, which is impressive to say the least. That's big. That's big money. I wonder if that's just some of the couch cushion money from the University of Texas. Because <laughs> yeah, there's a probably. lot of money flowing through Austin, brother. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever been down through there, those yeah. interstates are paved uh, in, uh, in in gold. For no, sure. it's platinum over there. <laughs> it shines too bright. To well, be those gold. are the new overpasses <laughs> that they're that they're that they're getting in. Uh, also, a, another former Premier League uh, star. Uh, and also French legend Thierry Henry is mm. heading up north to manage the Montreal Impact. Now, Henry spent a few of his final seasons with New York Red Bull mm-hmm. in MLS before going back for a short stint 
at the Emirates with Arsenal. And also, uh, let's not forget, uh, uh, Henri also had worked with some of the youth system at Arsenal and also had been uh, managing at Monaco for a brief stint as well. And Henri would be a fun manager because he's been there, done that so many times. You, you, obviously, Henri with the big World Cup uh you know, kind of runs and stuff like that, right? Yep. Well, Henri as a manager, I think, would just know the impact points of, of uh, especially big games. You know, how to quelch the crowd and how to maybe manage uh, on field high expectations. Henri's been there, done that. He's going to be great off the pitch as well because he is bilingual. That's important True. in Montreal to the culture. I think he, he could end up being a very good fit. And, uh, of course, uh, let's talk about the transfer window here. And this uh, actually leads off with a former teammate of his, Freddie Lundberg. Yeah. As the uh, caretaker manager for Arsenal. He's been kind of coy about whether or not he'd like that job on a permanent basis. Of course, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think that there's going to be a fairy tale Freddie situation at Arsenal. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next days, weeks, months. Because there's been talk that he finishes out this season as the caretaker manager. No, I think maybe. I, I think that's true. I think they let him finish out in simply because Arsenal's not really in the situation where they're going to get relegated out. Right. Okay. They'll finish bottom bottom tier. That's okay with them for now. However, next season, I think you we have a, a big off-season uptick. We see a new manager signed on, a full-time manager signed on. Of course, uh, last week we, we kind of put some names. I don't think po- that's Pochettino, by the way, again. Um, but I don't also think that Fairy Tale Freddy takes off simply because tying a two, uh, 2-2 two two with the bottom two teams of the league, I don't think that gets the job done. They pulled the draw with Norwich over yeah. the weekend. And, and yeah. uh, stupid moves. Uh yeah, I could go on and on about how just idiotic moves from from Freddie. Even if he doesn't get the gig, they could do worse than having him on the bench because he's 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 he has experience coaching the under 15s there, right? And he's also served as an assistant at Wolfsburg. And let's not forget, he was part of the one of the most um, successful Calvin Klein underwear campaigns <laughs> back in the early 2000s. That's so, true. so let's true. not forget, you know, he he had. He has uh, business experience, and he's got a little savvy and a little razzle-dazzle. Well, speaking of homecomings, there could be a homecoming for Goodison uh, as a Goodison favorite. Now, now, I know current Everton manager Marco Silva is on extremely thin ice, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to at least give him maybe another week or two, maybe. But I hear that there are some rumors that there could be uh, some folks waiting in the wings. Would it be Pochettino? I don't think so. I think rumor has it that David Moyes could be the welcome back in a heartbeat over there. Um, he's originally managed Everton in a long stint of stability, right? Uh, but this is uh, being no- anointed by Sir Alex Ferguson's successor at Man United. So, I don't know. I I don't think it's Pochettino. I, I really think Pochettino probably out of Premier League. You think so? Yeah, I think he goes maybe over to Spain or something like that. As as we record this, there has been no response on where he's going to go. So I think he's too good of a manager, by the way, to not be managing. Pochettino. I still think he's one of two or three guys that could take that Arsenal job. I think think so, too. I just don't don't see it happen. Mikel Arteta from Manchester City. And eventually, if not sooner, Patrick Vieira. I think Arteta and Vieira are probably more realistic than Pochettino. I would be very surprised if Arsenal decides to go Pochettino. 
So Moyes at Everton, probably not a bad pick. I wonder right. if he regrets leaving Everton in the first place because he at one point he had them in the Champions League, I think about 14 or 15 years ago. They were always tough to beat. They were very right. solid, and I think he was well-loved there. Would he come back and restore some some sanity, some stability to Everton? I, I think, think they would have so. him back. Again, I think they would have him back in a heartbeat, especially just being anointed. You know, you are the chosen one. Uh, you know what I'm saying? By by uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. I just don't – I don't know if that's the move to make. You don't blame him for going to Man U. When, no. when, when Alex Ferguson comes calling, don't you? wouldn't you typically uh, answer? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think if he's like, hey, I need you, you say – well, my bags are packed and ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. was it like a 30-mile drive to, to, <laughs> yeah. to Manchester? All right, so we'll keep an eye on Everton. Could be a move there. Uh, Philip Coutinho says he is loving his loan spell at Bayern Munich and would not mind if Bayern Munich and Barcelona decided to put pen to paper and make that deal permanent. I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't because he likes the paycheck. Oh, the paycheck is good, the playing <laughs> the time, and probably the competition Yeah, would work out very well for him. So we'll keep an eye and see if Coutinho makes that a done deal. Uh, also in MLS, uh, Nashville SC up the road from the Center Circle Studios. They've got another attacking option. Uh, they picked up Dominique Baji. Uh, they've picked him up from FC Dallas, and they send FC Dallas some allocation money around three hundred and $25,000. So Nashville still trying to, to form that inaugural lineup as they move up from USL Championship to their first season Nashville in MLS. Nashville could be scary, though. Watch out, MLS. Nashville could make big waves. By the way, uh, MLS has also announced for the 2020 season that Nashville will be in the Western Conference. Yes. And Inter-Miami will be in the Eastern I Conference. don't agree with the allocation, but I'm not mad at it. Geographically, it makes sense. If you're if you're if you're on the southern southeastern tip of the U.S., you got to be. Yeah, well, but we're not. Re- Nashville is more east than a lot of other teams in the east. That's a good point. But here's who they get though. Uh, you have short trips for them to take on Houston. Yeah, uh, to take on Dallas. Uh, really, not hard drives down forty. You right. know, I forty. Uh, they don't get Atlanta, though, every year, guaranteed. To me, I think that is where a good, like, solid rivalry could spark. You could have the, yeah, because you, you could definitely have the George Strait-Tyler Perry rivalry, the yeah. Derby. Yeah, I mean, you could you could really go all in with a nice, solid rivalry at, you know, Atlanta versus Nashville. And honestly, that would be a fun rivalry to get sparked up. Unfortunately, it's just not in the cards where we're, you know, Nashville. We are in the West, and everybody else is in the East where they should be. I think Nashville should be in the East. They didn't consult us, but it could have been. Well, it could have been Hot Atlanta versus Hot Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There you go. Gosh, it writes itself. It does write itself. Hey, let's take a look at some injuries uh, before we get out of here. Frank Ribery of Fiorentina. That sounds so weird because he played with, with Bayern Munich for so long. The Frenchman. So long. Has a, a right ankle sprain with some ligament damage. There's no timetable for his that's, return. Get ready for a long outage from him. Ligament damage, that's not a good sign. He's never been one of my favorite players, but it's just because he's just so cunning and good on the field. But we, we do wish him a speedy recovery. Absolutely. But uh, probably a little bit worse news there for Liverpool, though, as mm-hmm. Fabinho suffered some ankle lig- ligament damage last week in their Champions League match against Napoli. And he is out until January at least. That's so, a long stint out. 
Now, and depending on how his rehab goes, we may have to add some more content to the transfer window and see what Liverpool does in January. Right. You got the bad news, though. How about some good news when it comes to the injuries? As the bridge, as uh, Tammy Abrams' hip injury, right? He sustained last week in the Champions League uh, versus Valencia. It isn't as bad as the eye test would have it. Uh, He could be back in the Chelsea lineup before the next podcast. That would be helpful for them because it, I, there's still overtures that some teams would love to have Olivier Giroud. I think he is surplus once the transfer window opens and then having a healthy Tammy Abraham to go with Mason Mount, to go with Christian Pulisic, and to go and they're with some other... And they're going to need it because Pulisic wasn't the answer that they were hoping at Chelsea. I mean, Pulisic didn't propel them to that W. They got the tie, but they didn't get the W. Well, he's going to be one of several options uh, going forward. I think Frank Lampard's got to be helping. By the way, speaking of that match, I think he's got to be pretty happy with their effort because they did, they were on the front foot for most of the match. Sure. Not happy with that result, but you've got you've got Abraham coming back. Hopefully, Hudson Adoy will be coming back at some point soon. Ruben Loftus Cheek still to be determined. Remember, he suffered that injury on the tour of the USA mm-hmm. over the summer, so he's still got some more talent coming in and it wouldn't hurt to have Abraham back though as as, as the oh, training no room doubt. is starting to fill up a little bit right. at uh, Chelsea. Now there's some good news and bad news for Aston Villa's Anwar El Ghazi as he picked up an assist in their 2-2 draw with Man United right. but he also had to leave before the 20th minute with a knee injury. No word on his expected return but Aston Villa uh, put up a good fight against Man United or maybe Man United just didn't put up a good fight against Aston Villa. I, I don't think that man you put up a good fight, but I mean, neither here or there. <laughs> Anything else? Any any notes, thoughts, angry exultations? Um, you know, I don't. I don't think the, that knee injury um, is as bad as it didn't. Look, it didn't look that bad. Of course, the, that's on the eye test now, uh, where he walked off under his own power. So it doesn't appear to be that bad. We'll keep our fingers crossed for him because that could be a case of where that match is going at a frantic pace. And if he's walking that thinking, okay, I can't go another 80 minutes on this out of an abundance of precaution, maybe we find out he's in the lineup before the next podcast. Yeah. And, that, and that would be good. Yeah. Uh, Aston Villa needs all the help they can get at this point. And you are up to date. Coming up, it's New York Times bestselling thriller author Mark Grady. And that takes us to the half. More next on My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. Well, look who's in the podcast studio today. It's the president of Financial Wealth Services and huge Memphis soccer fan, Hal Downing. Hal, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Listen, let's talk about financial wealth services. What do you guys do? We are a source of capital, uh, almost a matchmaker, if you will, between uh, small, medium, large companies and uh, a source of capital for direct investments for high net worth individuals. I know for a fact that you've got a ton of experience in real estate and other aspects of the financial industry, decades of experience, and people can trust you with that. How how can they pick up the phone and call you? Uh, Numbers 901-498-2190. I know that you're a gigantic soccer fan, and probably the only thing you love more than soccer is helping people out. Yes. uh, 10% of all gross proceeds in my firm go to the Catholic Diocese here in Memphis, and we're also involved in other charities as well. All right. What's that phone number again, and and, and do you have an email address? 901-498-2190. Email haldowning7 at gmail.com. That's Hal Downing, President of Financial Wealth Services, 901-498-2190. Hal, thanks for coming in, and thanks for being a supporter of this podcast. Really do appreciate you. Thank you.